0: Hope, peace, joy, and love. The four candles of our Advent wreath that we'll light each week over the next few weeks as we approach Christmas Day. And as children of the Heavenly Father, we can experience all four of these with 100% certainty. They are no coincidence. They're a product of knowing the God of hope. Welcome to the weekly podcast of Independent Methodist Church in Macon, Mississippi. It is our hope that this message will encourage you, strengthen your faith, and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. And our title today is No Coincidence. A coincidence according to the dictionary is defined as an occurrence of events that happen at the same time by accident but seem to have some connection. And over the course of history there have been a lot of coincidences. Thomas Jefferson and John Adams both uh, were signers of the Declaration of Independence, July 4, 1776. Both men would go on to become president. Both both men died on the same day within hours of each other. On July 4th, 1826, the 50th anniversary of our independence. That's a coincidence. Less than a year before John Wilkes Booth shot Abraham Lincoln, Booth's brother, Edwin, saved the life of Lincoln's eldest son, Robert Lincoln, If that wasn't coincidence enough, it it goes on from there. Robert Lincoln ended up being present for three presidential assassinations. He wasn't in Ford Theater the night that his father was shot, but he sat by his bedside and watched him take his dying last breath. And then fast forward a little few years later, Robert Lincoln didn't get out of politics. He stayed in it. He was asked to serve as the Secretary of War for the... uh, Garfield administration and as he stood there beside President Garfield at the train station from Washington to New Jersey he was there when Garfield got shot and later died from those injuries and then fast forward a few years later 1901 Robert Lincoln is asked to attend the Pan American Conference by President William McKinley and Lincoln arrives at the conference just in time to see President McKinley shot and killed. His proximity to three different presidential assassinations has certainly got to be coincidence. Adolf Hitler and Napoleon Bonaparte, both ruthless dictators, ruthless people that tried to gain territory. Adolf Hitler was born 129 years after Napoleon Bonaparte. Adolf Hitler's rise to power happened 129 years after Bonaparte's death. Adolf Hitler invaded Russia 129 years after Napoleon did. Napoleon met his match at the Battle of Waterloo in June of 1815. That was the beginning of the end for Bonaparte. And guess what? 129 years later to the month was when the June invasion of Normandy happened in 1944, which was the beginning of the end for Hitler's regime. And speaking of D-Day, there's a series of coincidences that seem to pop up in the weeks that led up to that invasion. You know, one of the most important tools in war is that of espionage. And World War II was no exception to that rule. The spy networks on both the Allied side and the Nazi Germany side were in full force. Everyone was told to keep secrets and try to watch what they said. And the intelligence that was gathered by spies on both sides of that war proved just as effective as the tanks and planes and troops and ships. Spies were everywhere. They were in city parks. They were in pubs. They were in other public places. Anywhere that somebody might slip up and let a little something slip that they didn't mean to. They could be used against their country. And because everybody knew that everybody was listening, secrecy was encouraged, silence was encouraged. Posters were up everywhere. In this country, we had posters up saying, loose lips sink ships. You remember seeing some of those signs in some of the literature. The Allied invasion of Normandy, codenamed Operation Overlord, was was drawing near. The Germans knew that an invasion was coming. But they didn't know where it was gonna happen, and they didn't know when, and so because of that, the Allies were on edge to keep everything a secret. But on the 2nd of May, 1944, an apparent leak happened in the British newspaper, The Daily Telegraph. They had a crossword puzzle every day in that newspaper. And on May the 2nd of that year, one of the clues for number 17 across, said one of the U.S. And the answer for that particular clue was the four-letter word Utah, which happened to be the code name for one of the landing beaches at Normandy. Coincidence, maybe. 20 days later, on the 22nd of May, same newspaper, different puzzle, another code name popped up in the puzzle. This time the answer, the, the clue was the red Indian on the Missouri for number three down. And the answer, the five letter answer for that was the name of the Native American tribe that had their reservation on the borders of the Missouri River near the town that was named for that Native American tribe. The city was named Omaha. Codename for the beach at Normandy where one of the American divisions would land. That was on the 22nd of May. Five days later on the 27th of May, another apparent leak. This time the word Overlord showed up in the crossword puzzle. The codename for the entire Normandy invasion. And radars went up this time in British intelligence. But just a few days later, on the 30th of May, the word Mulberry showed up in the crossword puzzle, the same paper, different puzzle. The word Mulberry was a code name for the portable harbors that they would use when they landed. Then on the 1st of June, five days before the invasion, the fifth and final leak showed up in the puzzles. The word Neptune. Which was the code name for the actual landing operations on D Day? British intelligence knew that somebody was leaking information. They went to the paper and tried to find out who the, who the editor was and who was the one that was responsible for putting those crossword puzzles together. They were pointed to a man named Leonard Dahl. They just knew he had to be a German spy. So they went to Dahl and they kept him in custody for a couple of days questioned him intensely. Leonard Dahl was a school principal. He was 54 years old. He was a school principal at the school in Effingham, about 25 miles southwest of London. But after a couple of days, they couldn't find any connection between Leonard Dahl and the Germans. So they let it go, chalking it up as coincidence. And even though there was some uncertainty about whether or not the Germans had somehow figured out some of those code names, and there was uncertainty around the weather. The planning continued, and everything stayed on course. Eisenhower had a hope of success, but it wasn't 100% certain hope, as is evidenced by the letter that came out after the invasion that he had penned the night before, where he wrote these words, just in case the operation had failed. Eisenhower wrote this, only to be delivered if they had to withdraw. It said, Our landings have failed to gain a satisfactory foothold, and I have withdrawn the troops. If any blame or fault attaches to the attempt, it is mine alone. You see, Eisenhower had hope that they would succeed, but he didn't have 100% certain hope. We're talking about hope this morning as we lit our first candle there, the candle of hope. And as we enter this Advent season We reflect back on the birth of Jesus and we look forward to his second coming. I want to talk about the four things corresponding with the four candles of our wreath that we'll light over the next few weeks. Four things that we can know for sure that we can have in this Advent season and the rest of our lives if we have Christ in our hearts. So let's read there Romans 15. We're going to start at verse 8. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. Again it says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to him, all you peoples. And again Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, One who will arise to rule over the nations. The Gentiles will hope in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, as we talk about the things that we can experience this season and the rest of our lives. If we are found in you, Lord, help us to, to glean these truths from your word. It's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. We lit the first candle this morning, the candle of hope. And hope is one of the first things I want you to know that you can can experience this morning. Paul says there in verse 13 that our God is a God of hope. He said, may the God of hope. Now why does he call God a God of hope? Look back there at verses 8 and 9. He says, For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. You see, God sent Jesus to earth to fulfill his promise to the patriarchs. Promises that he had made years and years before. God sent his son to be the savior of the world. And then he that took place so that he could, through the Jews, eventually get to us. To the Gentiles. We're the Gentiles. Just as He promised. And there was no coincidence in the unfolding of that plan. God had it planned out from the beginning. He had his plan to save humanity from the beginning. The fact that Jesus came the first time happened just as God had promised in his word. Galatians 4, Paul wrote to the Galatians in Galatians 4, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you're a son, God has made you also an heir. So why should we have Hope, why should we have 100% certain hope? Well, hope is a product of the promises of God. Talked about in verse 9. And hope is a product of the presence of our Lord in our lives. In Isaiah there, in verse 12, it cites Isaiah. It said that the Gentiles will hope in him, speaking of the root of Jesse that will spring up. But not only is is hope a product of the promises of God to us, not only is hope a product of the presence of God with us, hope is a product of the power of the Lord working inside us. Look there at verse 13. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. where is the holy spirit for the christian we read it just a minute ago in galatians 4 because your son's god sent the spirit of his son into our hearts and that should give us hope a sure hope a certain hope and that hope is no coincidence but there's a second thing the second candle in our wreath is going to be the candle of peace next week As a Christian, our lives should be marked not only by hope, but also by peace. And that peace is no coincidence. It's a direct result of the sure hope that we have. You think about it for a minute. When there's uncertainty in your life, there is no peace. When things are uncertain, there is no peace. In this world, there are a lot of uncertainties. We have uncertainties about our health. We have uncertainties about our finances. We have uncertainties about things that are going on in our families. We have uncertainties about world events. And if we allow our minds to be ruled by that, there can be no peace. A mind ruled by the things of this world is not a peaceful mind. One of my favorite verses that talks about peace is Isaiah 26 and verse 3. And I, I, I mention it often, but Isaiah 26 and verse three says this: "You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast, because he trusts in you." I love that verse. If we keep our minds steadfast on the one who purchases us, we'll have peace. Romans eight and verse six is another verse that talks about the peace that we can have. It says, "The mind governed by the flesh is death." But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. And that peace is no coincidence. During the French War, there was a train that was carrying dispatches to headquarters. And they were given a task of giving some dispatches to headquarters and getting them there within an hour. And it had 60 miles to go. And the track was rough. And it was through winding mountain passes. And the one charged with getting those dispatches there was also the engineer of that train. And on that train, he had his wife and his young daughter there on the train and a few other people. And as that train sped around the mountain passes and up and over and it was just about bouncing over the tracks at times, people were terrified. But there was one on that train who was not terrified, his little daughter. People would ask her, Honey, how come you're not scared? And she said, I'm not scared because my daddy's driving the train. He's the one behind the wheel. When they got to the destination safely, the engineer ran in and he hugged his wife and he grabbed up his little daughter. She just laid laid her head on his chest. Just as peaceful as she could be, just like she was at home. That's a lesson for us, church. If we would have perfect peace, if we would have the peace that we're promised here, we need to let the Lord be the one that's driving our train. Let Him be behind the wheel of our life. And then we can have that peace that flows and follows. And that peace is no coincidence. Our third candle of Advent is going to be the candle of joy. And joy is the third thing that I think we can be assured of when we're a Christian. In verse 13 it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. When we place our hope in the Lord of hope. Not only does peace follow. But so does joy. When we surrender our lives to Jesus. We invite him into our hearts. He sends us his Holy Spirit. And you look at the the list of the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. And self-control. You know, the world has a definition of peace, of joy. It's based on feelings, based on emotions. But real, true biblical joy is not a feeling. It's a focus. It's a focus on the one who purchased us with his blood. Real, true biblical joy is not based on circumstances. But instead, it's based on our surrender to the God of hope. It fills us with all joy and peace as he says there in verse 13. Real true biblical joy does not come from coincidence but rather it comes from our commitment to him. First Peter 1 verses 8 and 9 says these words Though you have not seen him you love him and even though you do not see him now you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And that joy is no coincidence. It's a product of having your life in the hands of the God of hope. You remember I told you earlier about the coincidence around the crossword puzzles. And they ruled that it was just coincidence. Fast forward 40 years from D-Day. In the years 1984... And the Daily Telegraph started to run a story about how much of a a hubbub that their crossword puzzles had stirred up 40 years before. On the 40th anniversary of D-Day, they ran this story. And the article happened to cross the path into the hands of a man named Roland French. And Roland French decided it was time to come clean and tell the truth. What Principal Dahl failed to tell the British Secret Service when they questioned him about it 40 years before, was that as principal of the school, he would often let his students fill in the crossword words and he would come up with the clues to match the the words that they had put in there. And Roland French was a student at that school in Effingham in 1944. And French went on to say that around Effingham there, there was a military base. And the Canadian and American soldiers were stationed there. And as all little boys do when there's soldiers and army stuff going on, they want to be right there watching it all. And so in their spare time, the, the schoolboys would spend so much time there around the base listening to the soldiers, watching the soldiers, hearing the soldiers talk. And then that's where Roland heard those code names: Utah and Omaha, Overlord, Neptune, Mulberry. He went on to explain that he decided to put those in the crossword puzzles because he had overheard them spoken by the soldiers as they talked about what was coming. After D-Day, Principal Dahl went to Roland French and asked him, where did you get those words? And he told him the story. The principal was horrified. He asked to see his notebook, and it was filled with all those words that he had gathered, all the information that he had heard. Principal Dahl made him burn the notebook and gave him a stern lecture about national security and told him to never breathe a word of it. And Roland French kept it a secret for 40 years. Principal Dahl had long been dead, so he figured it was okay to tell. Because things worked out okay. So it wasn't a coincidence. And neither is the hope and the peace and the joy that we can have This Christmas season. There are no coincidence. Because of the fourth thing. The fourth candle is the candle of love. God's love. And God's love is no coincidence. When we put our trust. In the Lord. We can have that sure hope. With that 100% certainty. Because he is the God of hope. We can have peace that passes all understanding. And that's no coincidence. Because he is the prince of peace. We can have joy unspeakable as the angel announced to, the, to those, there, those shepherds in Luke 2. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord and his birth was no coincidence. His birth was because of his love. God's love is no coincidence. You know, the love of God never fails. Listen to Psalm 36 and verse 7. How priceless is your unfailing love. Both high and low among men find refuge in the shadow of your wings. Psalm 109 verse 26. Help me Lord my God. Save me according to your unfailing love. So the love of God never fails. But i tell you something else about the love of God. The love of God can never be earned. It can't be earned. Listen to Ephesians 2. Verses 4 and 5. But because of his great love for us. God who is rich in mercy. Made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. His love can never be earned. Romans 5 and verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. The love of God never fails. The love of God can never be earned, and the love of God is no coincidence. Hope, peace, joy, and love the four candles of our Advent wreath that we'll light each week over the next few weeks as we approach Christmas Day. And as children of the Heavenly Father, we can experience all four of these with 100% certainty. They are no coincidence. They're a product of knowing the God of hope and the Prince of Peace and the one who brought joy to all and the one who has love for the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. As we prepare to stand and sing in just a minute, would you commit your life to the God of hope? Maybe for the first time or maybe for the 10,000th time. To recommit to him. Invite him to refresh your commitment in your heart. Whatever your spiritual need might be. Would you ask him this Christmas season to keep you near the cross. As we watch and wait. As we hope and trust. Looking back to remember his first advent and looking forward to the second. Let's pray. Father, it's good to know that we can know hope, peace, joy, and love that you can bring, and that only you can bring. Father, apply that lesson to our hearts this Christmas season. It's in Jesus' precious name we ask it. Amen.